Hi and welcome to the Msingi Talks podcast, a podcast hosted by Msingi Trust. This podcast ventures deeper into issues of faith, advocacy, activism, and makes connections between these worlds. Psalms 89.14 states that justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. And here we unpack how the church, as the body of Christ and institution, can faithfully embody justice and righteousness in both word and deed. Karibuni and let's do justice. Hello, everybody. Um, Karibuni Sana to our very first episode of um, Singy Talks podcast. And I'm very, very excited that we are able to do this and more honored to have my, my friends, my, my siblings who have gone ahead of me, who are doing amazing things in the work of uh, social justice, church, advocacy, faith work. I have Reverend Renee August from Town. <laughs> <laughs> my sister. And then I have Jared McKenna from Australia. And, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and then, so you have you have three accents that you have to try and listen to. So have fun, guys, listening to the <laughs> diversity of accents. So welcome very much. This is an honor to have you guys here. And please, to start with uh, Renee, introduce yourself to the peeps. Hi, my name is Renee August. I live in Cape Town, South Africa. Asante sana, Carol, for the warm words of welcome and the opportunity to share with you in this way. It is an honor for me to be in this conversation with Jared and with you as you begin your very first Singi Trust podcast. And so, thank you. Thank you very much, Karibu Sana. Jared. My friend, Carol, this is a, a real honor, particularly to do it with Renee. How much trouble can we get in in this small <laughs> amount of time? The, the three of us together, that's dangerous. Uh, I, uh, my name's Jared McKenna. Um, if, if you can't tell, this isn't a speech impediment. This is an Australian accent. And the fact that Renee loves me, despite the fact that I'm Australian and she loves cricket, is a sign of the power of the gospel. So I'll name that right at the front. Jesus. <laughs> um, so I, I am from uh, the place that now gets referred to on a map as Perth, Australia, but um, traditionally has been known as uh, Wajuk Noongar Buja. And uh, um, to speak in the languages that have been spoken here for at least 60,000 years, Nangala Kadich Noongar Morit Kea Kadik Nija Buja. Uh, which is uh, I acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land uh, whom uh, I uh, now live upon as a, a guest. And these lands are, uh, were, were never given away, they were stolen. And um, that's probably important to name as well as I seek to follow the way of Jesus uh, in this moment. I think every time I listen to you, Jared, when you speak, you really honour the lands that you came from. And Renee as well, you come from uh, from a context that has uh, contested uh, land spaces. Um, we'll go right in into this conversation and we'll go, <laughs> <laughs> we'll actually talk about land and contestation and where you find yourself, where you locate yourself. 
because I am from Kenya and we have a history of contested uh, land spaces. How do you live as Christians in contested land spaces? Mm. Renee, you can go or Jared? If we go to Genesis and we see what happened to the land and we track the story of Joseph. Joseph is sold into slavery and ends up in a foreign land as a refugee um, and enslaved mm. by Egyptians. I mean, Africa, he's enslaved actually. And, um, and then his family comes to live with him there. And then um, they grow into a nation and there's this nationalization of slavery and these enslaved people are, um, are in a land that is not their own. And in this land, they cry out to God and God promises to give them land. And they then, in their story of liberation, experience um, liberation in a land and for a land. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously the, the story carries on um, about land conquest and genocide. Um, a story that's so familiar on this continent of Africa. Mm. And um, God is given the credit for that genocide or the understanding of who God is um, in this ideology and this framing um, of contested stolen land. And then there's exile. Um, and again, you know, this occupation of land um, in a very different way. I mean, we can carry on through the Persians, you know, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. Um, but, but in the time of Jesus, there, there's the Roman Empire. and They then occupy um, this land that was given. Um, they come and occupy not only the then Palestinian and Israeli world, they, they colonize the known world at that point. Um, in terms of you know western understandings of europe and the north of africa um yeah i mean i basically just don't know how much of this you want me to get into but like the entire biblical narrative is framed through this lens of contested land mm. and people living in land that is occupied and contested and where there's genocide where people's blood is spilt for land where temples are built on land where even in this um this idea of sacred space um there's there's this constant battle mm. of um of occupation and, and understanding of that but then through all of this there's this leviticus 25 um mm. story that comes to us as, as part of the law as part of torah where God speaks about the land and says that we are custodians of this land, that mm. all the land belongs to me, God says. Mm. Um, and so you will not hold on. Like land is not for ownership and possession. Mm. Um, land is a gift and a blessing um, for the purpose of blessing. Mm. So even with, Genesis 12, where God gives Abram, promises him a piece of land. He says, I will bless you so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so land in any context for the people of God is something that God gives us. Um, what's the word? 
custody over mm. um, for us to become stewards for the blessing of the other. Mm. All the nations of the world, all the religions of the world, um, one could say, mm. are, are, are to be blessed because we are custodians of land. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Mm. Such depth. Thank you have to really. edit some of that out because <laughs> it was too long. Yes. Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might not because it's so rich. So good. That's it's right. So rich. Like, what do we edit out, Jared? I think that's your answer. You edit out Jared and you leave <laughs> Renee as much space that she needs to get all that stuff in. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of my context, I'm aware even as Rev Renee was lifting up um, the, the different contested ways we interpret it, um, uh, these stories that are so important to us, that um, my dad migrated to uh, these lands in 1972 uh, from... Uh, a place where England in uh, 1067, um, some people date, some people date at 1069, um, started their first experiments in colonisation that still continue um, uh, today, so, some would argue. And the reality of my dad moving locations that he went from being Indigenous in one place um, to moving to Australia and uh, really um, being white for the first time in terms of uh, whiteness being uh, an interpretive tool of a false narrative that is used to create a hierarchy to justify stealing, killing and destroying, which yeah. our Lord makes really clear in John 10.10 10 is what the enemy, um, uh, Satan, comes to do, but he comes to bring life and bring it to its fullness. Mm -hmm. So whatever we do with these... Um, uh, um, contested and wrestling texts about land, really we have no permission to have access to any of them without Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, th these are Jewish stories. And uh, the only uh, reason most of us who don't have Jewish backgrounds get access to them is through Jesus. Mm -hmm. So how dare we interpret them in such ways that would contradict the life of Christ? Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus is literally his name. He's the second Joshua. Mm -hmm. Only other than his name, um, uh, uh, Yoshka, or sometimes Yeshua is how it's anglicised in the pronunciation, or Joshua, um, Jesus is Joshua in a way that Joshua never was. And Joshua's narrative of um, stealing, killing and destroying that um, we, we find in Deuteronomy uh, 7, where there's justification for go in and kill and seven tribes uh, are named, um, Jesus reverses that. Uh, and particularly in, what, Matthew 15 with the Canaanite woman, even the fact that she's named as a Canaanite and not a Seraphonician mm. points to the fact that Matthew's gospel is deliberately reversing these narratives um, that could be used for genocide. And in Jesus, they're turned inside out as being an invitation to generosity towards our enemies. Mm. And um, I'm aware that the narratives of um, land conquest um, were we used by... English settlers uh, creating plantations in the place that my dad's family is Indigenous to, um, mm. in the north of Ireland. And uh, that's, I mean, even Ian Paisley in my dad's generation was using that narrative that this land has been given to a chosen people uh, to, to make it righteous from a pagan, um, pseudo-Christian, uh, albeit um, uh, Catholic people. And so it's justified to steal the land 
um, and do it for God. Uh, it's, it's amazing how that story gets played out um, in ways around the world. And uh, the, the way to undo that story is a deeper reading that looks more like Jesus, um, that looks more like um, justice. And I'm, I'm so aware that our Lord says that the meek will inherit the earth and we sometimes misinterpret meekness to be something uh, to do with weakness when in fact um, uh, in uh, the Tanakh, in, in the um, Torah, it's Moses who's described as meek. Mm -hmm. uh, Moses, this leader um, who stood up to the biggest empire of his day and our Lord himself is described as meek. So meekness doesn't have anything to do with weakness and it's got everything to do with a force more powerful as Desmond Tutu, uh, Renee's um, a friend and mentor would describe it, more powerful than violence that actually um, uh, takes back which was stolen and brings life and life to its fullness. Wow, thank you guys. And can you hear the rain falling? I feel like this it's is beautiful. A great, what a lovely it's a backing great, track. It's like a great soundtrack to this conversation <laughs> because rain is blessing. Rain is, is oh, what man. is what God gives the land to heal and yep. to nurture and to and to water it for food for all of us mm. and for the yeah. animals that we always forget. So um, we've we've shared quite a number of Bible verses, but I. One of the reasons that I want, I, I'm really honored to have you guys on this uh, podcast is because of your, of your journeys to justice, of the incredible work that you've been able to achieve and do and that uh, part of. I want to give you a challenge. Out of all those many verses that you have, or maybe, <laughs> or so many uh, voices that you have mentored you for justice, what, um, which is the one verse that you would say speaks to you about justice? Um, so a verse, I mean, the first thing I want to say is I'm not big on Bible verses mm -hmm. because I think it takes away from what scripture is intended to be. Mm -hmm. Um, when in the original writings of scripture, there were no chapters, no verses, no chapter mm. headings. Um, it was just one story. And so when we, when we dissect things, like if you were to write me an email and I, you know, took sentence by sentence or paragraph by paragraph and only quoted parts of it, um, it doesn't matter how well I get to know those words. It's still mm. only a part of what what you intended to share with me. Mm. And so we lose so much when we look for verses only. Mm. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, just because our faith tradition is an oral one and my inherent African culture, nature, worldview is a narrative one. Um, there are many stories and, and I locate mine in particular particular around um, the Sermon on the Mount and sort of that I know we even section that off as the Sermon on the Mount but sort of flowing out of that Jesus concludes um, in there's sort of three or four different conclusions but one of the conclusions is seek first um, the kingdom of God and all its justice and all these things will be added unto you 
Mm-hmm. Now, in some English translations, that word justice is, uh, is interpreted as righteousness. Mm-hmm. And simply righteousness is what creates justice, mm-hmm. right relationships with. If there are right relationships between me and all of creation and between me and you and between me and Jared, then we will have justice. The reason we don't have justice is because there is no righteousness. So Mm. whether you want to seek righteousness or seek justice, Jesus says, seek this first, not seek worship first, Mm. not seek surrender first, seek, seek justice Mm. and everything else, everything Mm -hmm. else will be added to you. There is a numero uno, a priority Mm. list in Mm. the words of Jesus and Mm. And the word righteousness or justice, English is difficult. Mm. In, in it, it's insipid. It can't put together this righteousness and justice word. And so whichever one you choose, the idea is that right relationships produce justice. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and so seek first the kingdom of God and all the things that produce righteousness so that we can have justice and all these things will be added unto you is a verse that stands out for me hmm. great i just add that actually that the, the term thingy comes from psalms eighty nine fourteen, where it says righteousness and justice is the foundation of god's throne so it's very go. cool to connect those two dots yeah to those hmm. two well righteousness and justice which is for most people, it seems like they're they're fighting each other. That justice and righteousness are always fighting each other. In our yeah. current understanding, yet they are the pillars of what the kingdom of God is about. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Jared, preach, sister. Oh, so beautiful. Mm. I, I mean, listening to Renee, I. Um, uh, I came to faith in a context where scripture was uh, super important and it is still so important to me now. But to speak to the point that Renee raised, I, I was in Romania and running a workshop for Orthodox priests. And I um, uh, asked them, um, uh, somebody quickly give me John 3.16. And they all looked at me blankly. Mm. And I, I was like, John 3.16. And they, they like looked at me blankly. And then one of them said, oh, are you referring to the third chapter of John's gospel where Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night? And I found myself going, oh, yes, I am. That's right. Mm. But it, like as Renee named, sometimes mm. we can be in cultures that take mm. scripture out of um, the narrative mm. and it no longer is an imaginative journey for us and instead becomes a proof text. Mm. Um and I was so uh, amazed at those different ways of looking that they could tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I had to uh, check myself for it, like, yeah, that, that's right. But that said, I, I, I was formed um, and uh, uh, scripture is still very important to me. And uh, with my boys, uh, my 12-year-old and my 10-year-old, um, uh, memory verses weekly as a part of our, our family um, yeah. uh, tradition. So maybe I'll lift up one of the passages that, they're seeking to memorize at the moment. That was one of the first passages I learned um, uh, when uh, I, I was baptized um, uh, from First John chapter 4. Dearly beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Those who do not love 
do not know God, for God is love. This is how God showed God's love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, These passages for me um, are so essential to to keep the main thing the main thing. And as um, uh, one of my my heroes who uh, has been so kind to me, Dr. Cornell West, likes to say, justice is what love looks like in public. And people often forget that he also goes on to say, and tenderness is what love feels like in Mm. private. Mm. And so um, that almost brings us back to the passage that Renee lifted up, that justice has got to do with right relationship. And uh, right relationship should feel like the safe kind of tenderness that helps us be more ourselves and seek that to such a level that it becomes a public reality and expresses itself as justice. Wow. And um, I think without love, we are nothing. And God Mm. is love. And apart from God, we can do nothing. And we are nothing. And so it's... When we are doing the work of justice, it has to be framed from love. And apart from Mm. love, we do not have justice. Mm. And um, I'd love... I think... We are this far in, and I'm actually really happy that people have no idea. You know the way first people have the conversation, and what do you do as the first framing of who people are? (laughs) I'm really glad that we are this far in, and uh, we've not um, shared what our life vocation or our nine-to-five or lifetime or however uh, our work situation is but i'd like um for you to share with our friends on this podcast what it is that you do and how you got to doing what you're doing in terms of vocation and calling and work go jared hmm i mean uh you ask me at different times and i can give you different answers like like most of us um uh, a, a lot of us aren't paid to do our work and um, some of us are fortunate that our occupation and vocation overlap. Mm. Um, uh, I, I'm in a period of my life where um, I do uh, one thing, which is is, is fine work, um, but it uh, is only a little bit of... It pays the bills to do what I'm called to do. Um, so uh, in terms of things that people may know is that um, Common Grace, which is a movement of over 46,000 Christians in Australia working for beauty, generosity and justice in the public square. Um, I I was the founding CEO of Common Grace and have since uh, stepped um, away from that. And now the incredible uh, Waka Waka woman, Brooke Prentice, is the first um, Aboriginal CEO of a Christian organisation in Australia, and she's taken wow. over Common Grace. Um, so I find myself um, preaching, uh, uh, not for a living, but as an outworking of I just can't help myself, really, um, and uh, facilitating uh, nonviolent social change um, training and orientation and formation uh, and uh, 
working with people seeking to um, turn the world the right side up. Uh, part of that is the Inverse podcast, which I do with Dr. Drew Hart, mm-hmm. who um, people might know from uh, his book, The Trouble I've Seen, and uh, his new book um, uh, coming out. Um, uh, Carol, I'm struggling to remember. But, in September. Um, in September. Well, um, it's not Can I Get a Witness, but Will You Be a Witness? Will You Be a Witness? Um, uh, together we do the Inverse Podcast, which is a way that we bring together um, the importance of scripture and reading it in ways that do turn our world upside down. So uh, other than um, seeking to be a, a good dad and husband and, and brother, um, that's that's probably enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually thank you for that, but I, I feel like there's a few more things that you've left out. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. few. I'd like you to share about your activism work and uh, what kind of, especially, and I learned from you a lot. I think I love learning that we share struggles and the the struggle about uh, the the refugees on Manus Island and your work with that. Uh, Could you, and could you please tell us how many times you've been arrested doing this work as well? If it's, if it's <laughs> you, you sound um, like high school kids when yes. I get invited in yes. and they, the teacher puts a picture up of me and that's the first quote. They're like, how many times you've been arrested? Yes. You ever and, been bashed by a cop? Yes. And also I want, uh, I'd like you to connect the work of, of activism and the work of, of, of of being a pastor, being a spiritual leader, and how the two worlds connect. Okay, I'll, I'll try and um, do this quickly because I, I feel silly talking too long when you've got um, a, a great like Renee on on the line as well. So let let me try and um, uh, for me, activism is just about following Jesus. Um, if you go down deep in mercy anywhere, um, you get to justice everywhere. You just yeah. got to keep digging, yeah. and so to have to take love seriously um, is to move in the direction of justice, or it's not really love. Um, so, in terms of um, uh, people seeking safety, that we often refer to as refugees, mm. um, uh, some people were like, "When were you first called to work with refugees?" And I was like, "I wasn't. I was called to follow Jesus, and we just yeah. started opening our home to people who were homeless, and as well as." Uh, homeless people who um, had uh, mental health issues and people coming out of jail and needing a a place to land. We started meeting people who were refugees and asylum seekers and um, uh, then started a work where over the last 15 years of my life have lived with uh, asylum seekers and and refugees, um, over 100 in the last eight years, who have gone from secondary homelessness to being able to enter the rental market here in Australia. And so that work was called First Home Project. And out of that, if you if you love someone, once you've weeped with those who weep, once you share one another's burdens, it's not an issue. These are individuals. These are people that you've prayed for and with, um, are people that you've broken bread with, um, are people that you've laughed with. And when you realise that your nation um, is leading the world, in the opposite direction of compassion, um, we have to let discipleship actually um, let the rubber hit the road 
And so uh, we've worked to seek to change those policies that have kept particularly children in indefinite detention in Australia. And so one of our big wins um, has been seeing all children released from Nauru. Manus is another island where people are detained. And maybe that's a story for another time, Carol, because yeah. the complexities of that. Um, uh, but just to say it's, it's taking seriously that we're to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And um, that that doesn't just apply to people we like, uh, but it also applies to people we don't even know. And the importance of love for stranger and how Jesus comes to us as a stranger is central to um, both testaments in our holy scriptures. And so that's uh, where I found myself and a lot of my time um, being spent. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jared, for sharing that. Rev Renee. <laughs> um, the late Bishop Barbara Harris says um, when I asked her what should I call you because she just introduces herself as Barbara mm. and um, I was like Bishop Barbara um, what would you prefer I called you and she said well my highest identity is my baptism and at my oh, baptism man. I was called Barbara mm. So please <laughs> call me Rene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never um, actually called you Rev Rene ever, ever. Yes, I know that. That's why I'm just saying for the record, sort yes. yourself out. Mm -hmm. I'm sorting um, myself out now. What I do, um, yeah, vocationally, I I think I'm far more um of a practical um, a practitioner than I am anything else. And so I've had various things that I've done over the years in my lifetime. Um, I think putting together all the things I love um, is, is one of the joys of my life at the moment. Um, I love scripture. I love Jesus. I love people. And I love understanding things. And so being born in a South Africa that was ruled by an apartheid system and growing up in a family where um, politics was always, you know, this taboo subject because um, there were so many differing opinions, especially in a family where Jesus was worshiped and central to all of our conversations. Um, how we read the Bible and and who was reading the Bible, I'll say a bit more about that later on, mm. sort of made it very clear that the Bible could be used in many ways by people. Mm. The same Bible verses. Mm. Um, one person would read it and it would be used to enforce apartheid. Mm. And then another person, like Desmond Tutu, for example, would use that same verse to oppose apartheid. Mm. the same verse the same bible and so that's always left me with questions about so so what is it about the bible that makes that possible and and what does that mean for me how do i faithfully read and understand what the bible said and don't mess up you know the interpretation part mm. now good luck to me i'm still busy doing that <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine yeah. it will be our life's work to continue to do that. 
Um, just like Nicodemus in the third chapter of John, who comes to Jesus with a question from the scriptures. Um, and so apartheid was a theology before it was a political system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, patriarchy is a theology. Speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are so many ideas that we have in the world that actually is scripture is used to support these ideas. Mm-hmm. And so this, this question, how do we read scripture faithfully is, mm-hmm. is the worm, you know, that crawls around in my brain all day long and yeah. keeps me asking and wondering and questioning. Um, and so I get to do this as my vocation within the organization. I work for the warehouse. Um, I was ordained into the Anglican priesthood. Um, and, and in the midst of this calling, there was still this niggle, you know, of, of what priesthood is and how the sacrament of word and work, um, you know, word and sacrament, how, how that lives itself out in daily life. And so I found the local parish to be, um, what's the word? To be one expression of that, but didn't draw on my strengths. And so I now find myself working in a place called the warehouse, um, a place that's familiar to both of you. My um, favorite place on earth, actually. Exactly. (laughs) Community that I love, that that shapes me every day, Mm. that I just, people I trust. Mm. And and what I love the most about the warehouse is that we read scripture together. Mm. Um, mm. And we're always, always, you know, so many different ideas and different people and different faith traditions. And, mm. you know, the Pentecostals and the Anglicans and the Methodists and mm. the, you know, whoever. So Everybody's reading with all our history and our life stories and and asking these questions. What what do we have got saying to us? Mm. Um mm. Yeah, I think, not I think, theology matters. What we believe matters. matters. What we believe about God matters. Our picture of God and how that picture shapes who we think the other is matters. It's very important. Mm -hmm. And how we understand that from um, a a story of what God says about us is Mm. very, very important. And so I have the deep privilege of having this as my life's work. Um. And I get to do it with the most amazing group of people um, who I cannot separate myself from, uh, or I choose not to. Um, Because my learning happens because we get to bear witness to one another's lives. And so, yeah, that's my deep joy. And uh, we've Mm. we've been so blessed. I've been personally so blessed to listen to you and to learn from you and to to laugh with you in one minute and then you drop a truth bomb the other minute i'm like what how what (laughs) a what bomb did you say a truth Truth bomb truth bomb bomb. yes (laughs) you're you're the the holder of truth bombs but um i'd like you for a bit to demystify theology because when everybody hears the term theology and also a lot of us, if you've studied theology, you get a, a special seat at the table. And then there's people who <laughs> feel like 
they'll listen to you better or more if you've, if you've studied theology. I'd yeah. like you to demystify what theology is and also the process of reading scripture from the margins as a process of, of mm. knowing God as well. Hmm. Wow, that's 10 questions there, Carol. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I noticed how you snuck all of them in. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, I mean, I think theology is, in a simplest form, it's the study of God. And importantly for me, Jesus did not do theology. Mm. And Jesus did not call anyone to study theology. We yeah. are called to practice what we live. Mm. Hear and obey. That's doing theology mm. um and so th there's a difference between studying theology and doing theology there really is mm -hmm. um and so uh, the, the broadest question for me in theology is how do i live what i believe mm -hmm. if theology doesn't take you to that moment Jared was talking about what he spent his life doing and what his vocation is. He's, he's doing the following of Jesus. Mm. And, and then when you stop for a moment to pause and you look back at what you were doing, you go, ah, that's theologizing. That's great. Renee. Mm. Well, great answer. Yeah. So you, you can't theologize and then try and do what you've been thinking because mm. it never works that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never. I don't see a single example mm -hmm. in all of scripture where that happened. Never. Yeah. It's always a reflection exercise. The gospels is written after Jesus ascended. You know, um, we listen to the prophets. We read even the early writings, you know, they a post exilic reflection on what did happen. Mm. Um, not a, sort of fortune telling that's right <laughs> yeah and so anyone who tells you differently is lying to you mm. Mm. um there is no mystery in studying theology yeah and you don't necessarily know more after you study theology what you know <laughs> is that there's a whole lot more that you don't know yes that's true so if you already know that mm. boom you're a theologian. Yes. Nsingi is a Swahili word meaning foundation. Our name and mandate comes from Psalms 89.14. We host engaging conversations on faith, social justice, and advocacy across all our social media platforms. We also offer training and consultancy services to help you navigate the world of social justice and faith. To engage with us, visit our website www.msingitrust.org follow us on all our social media handles at msingitrust or email us on info at msingitrust.org One of my earliest memories with you Renee is when we were at uh, Amahoro in Burundi I'm a little nervous when she says earliest memory <laughs> <laughs> and we we were part of this amazing conversation with Rene, uh, Ruth. Yes. And we were on the heels. No, were you there? No, it was with Caroline Powell. 
Were you there? No, mm. you weren't. In Burundi? But in Burundi. Doing theology with Mary? Yes. I organized it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're confusing me because you're, you, you think, I'm thinking, was she there? Was she, you were there because you're in my pictures and I'm in that picture and you're there. But the fact that. It's Samantha's house. Yes, at Samantha's house on yes. the hill in Burundi. Bujumbura, but, yeah. Yes. But the fact that, especially for women. Sorry, I just, I just want to tell Jared, <laughs> yes. 12 of us went away for a week. Yes. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> yes. Do theology with Mary mm-hmm. and Elizabeth. <laughs> oh, Just that's women. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was. was it was. Carol doesn't a- remember that I was there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you were. You were the chief organizer, Renee. You. Were, <laughs> we were twelve. You were in my. Was picture. that with Kelly? Yes. Kelly Nekondia. Yes. Yeah. I love yep. Kelly. And hopefully Kelly will be in this podcast one time because she's oh, also good. amazing. So she should be. She's wonderful. The work that she does. But the remembering on how that all of us are theologians, I think that that uh, conversation in Amahoro, in Burundi, allowed me, even yeah. though I'd, I had a theological degree, to appreciate that all of us are theologians. And that is one of the things that I need. I hope my listeners, our listeners will will learn that we all have an interpretation of who God is and that mm. knowledge of who God is and that it is not, it is not the preserve of a few people to mm. tell you who God is, but based on your experiences of who God is and what he requires of us. Mm-hmm. And what he requires of us in Micah 6, 8 is he has shown us what to do and what he requires of us is to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. And so that, that just reminded me of that meet, meeting mm-hmm. and how we have to constantly remember that we are theologizing wherever we are. Amen. Yes. Wow. Jared, Carol, do you have... Even, yeah? I was just going to say, even with that beautiful passage that you lifted up, mm. um, uh, another passage that my boys uh, um, have, have learned to quote, and in fact, uh, they quote it before they get out of the car each morning um, as they uh, go to school, mm-hmm. um, which is really wonderful. But um, one of the questions I asked, um, so the, the version they learned was, um, God has shown you oh, mortal, uh, what is good and what does God require of you? Mm-hmm. And um, Hugo, who's 10 years old, was like, Dad, what, how has God shown us what is good? Mm. And I actually think that's that's the point of theology, mm. is to, yeah. to ask the questions where you wonder, mm. where you mm. go looking for God's, like mm. it's actually in the questions Mm-hmm. Um, our Lord asks 309 questions in the wow. Gospels. If we're going to be faithful to Jesus, mm-hmm. we have to ask good questions, mm-hmm. not give good answers. And yeah. theology Amen. starts. Amen to that. Theology starts with um, entering into the story. So my boys have learned to internalize scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it plays in their imagination mm-hmm. um, in, in the same way that um, 
uh, you know, the sound effects of Mario play in their imagination. So does yeah. Micah six eight. <laughs> yeah. And um, a- as that as that plays, certain questions come up about um, the goodness of God, and mm-hmm. uh, what is it for us? So um, what we did is um, uh, we actually looked at. Um, uh, behind me is the Taze Cross um, mm-hmm. of our Lord, and we, we talked about um, how God ultimately shows us what is good mm. in revealing God's self. And the um, the horrific irony that on the cross we just we also see the worst of what we would do to love when yeah. love shows up. And yet love doesn't stop being love even when we do our worst and that love mm. raises from the dead. Mm. Um, yeah. And to bring our boys into that, that um, these questions where we wonder and ask good questions mm. um, and realising that in the West how we tend to do theology mm. is uh, we start with head knowledge and hope it leads to worship. While um, uh, Eastern uh, Christianity has always insisted that you start with worship and from worship you pay attention and then you learn. Mm-hmm. So you learn out of a position of worship uh, or as um, Renee was saying before, it's it's out of being caught up in the life of God as we love because we've been loved. There is mm-hmm. an aftermath that's left behind and as we look back at the aftermath of God's mm-hmm. love and being caught up and sharing that love, mm-hmm. the recording that is doing theology Mm. and so um uh, with my kids it's a a wonderful opportunity to to make that practical to ask the questions allow them to ask the questions um so it becomes an imaginative empathetic exercise in uh, uh reflecting on the life of our lord and how he interprets all scripture and that's one of the things that um shorthand for my kids that i'm really clear at because uh, they go to a, a youth group and um, we don't know what they'll hear yes. at uh, the, the youth group, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but for them to be able to understand, Jesus is great theology. Mm. And so if you hear any teachings from the Bible and it doesn't look like Jesus, well, y- you can know that the devil also quotes scripture. Yes. All we have to do is look at Jesus and go, if it doesn't look like Jesus, if it doesn't love like Jesus, if it doesn't sound mm. like Jesus, well, it, it's probably not of God because mm. we see what God is like in Jesus. And so mm. my boys at, you know, um, 10 and 12 have the confidence to hear any teaching and go, if it doesn't sound like what I see in the life of Jesus, I get to leave it because mm. Jesus is good theology and I compare everything because God has shown us, O oh mortal, what is good. good. He's shown us Jesus. Yeah. And um, I... I always say that good theology heals and good theology liberates. And, Amen. And if, yeah. yeah, and so if what we are doing, and that means in our churches, in our communities, everywhere we are, if the theology is not healing, if it's not liberating, and that means there needs to be people within our contest who are sick. And it means we have to be in the presence yes. of, of the sick and in the presence of the imprisoned. It doesn't mean it's it means that our spaces where we are all like each other and agreeing with each other are not the right spaces to do theology in or to do <laughs> church yeah. in because we are do we are not healing anybody and we are not liberating anybody and yeah. we we ourselves are not being healed and we are not liberate getting liberated as well. 
because mm. that's a truth bomb right there <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'll take it from uh oh i was about to say rev and i remembered <laughs> <laughs> remember yes. my baptism i yep. remember your baptism I mean the um the thing that we we spoke about at that um intensive we had in Bujumbura in doing theology with Mary was we started with um, Mary's theology is she pays a visit she's she's visited she gets an invitation from God to offer up her very self her womb to mm. say yes um to that offering of herself to say yes to allow the spirit to conceive in her mm. a gift from god for the world mm. and so that's the first thing mary does mm. she says yes to the spirit conceiving inside of her then she goes and she pays a visit mm. to her cousin and and then she sings a song now mm. That song. That song is the first record yes. of a theology lesson for Jesus. This mm. is what Jesus hears. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, what's the first teaching Jesus hears? My soul, soul magnifies the, the Lord. Lord. My soul makes great the name of the Lord. Yes. Mm. God has been mindful. Mm. God has been mindful. And mm. from this day on, all generations will call me blessed. Mm. He has taken down the mighty, torn down the thrones of the mighty, and, and lifted up the lowly. He's lifted up the lowly, and you know, he has he has fed the hungry mm. with good things, good things, mm. Jared. Amen. The goodness of God. He's fed the hungry with good things and the rich. Mm. It's gone away empty. Empty. Mm. Wow. Because they already have all they could grab. Mm. So this is the first theology lesson Jesus gets. Um, that's good theology right there. Amen. Part of Jesus' good theology is, you know, he was raised by a woman who did good theology. So mm-hmm. anyway, that was wow. my two cents worth. That, that that's uh, a lot more than two cents worth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can claim it somewhere and we'll be quite rich. So, um, <laughs> but uh, I want to connect this conversation with uh, the question of I don't know. In maybe it's different from you from your context, but I found that uh, the reason why. I want us to have a podcast that uh, connects faith, social justice, and advocacy and activism is because in our churches, in the Kenyan context, this is a conversation that's not present. And we, our theology is devoid of social justice advocacy. So I'm wondering, from your experiences, from what you've learned, from your conversations with God, how do we bring that good theology into the church and into our lives as well? Uh, and how 
do we as a church embrace justice? Mm. Kenyan church, Australian church, South African church, the body of Christ, how do we? Because we do not have a choice but to embrace Mm. justice. Like, Mm -hmm. we are not not asking, should the church be do social justice or be engaged in justice. That's our call. But how do we do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Carol, I'll jump in and say in the South African context, we have in so many ways, um, polar theologies, you know, two different extremes. And, and we try to not not even bring the two together these um these extremes go the church should be involved in social issues and the church should stay far away from politics mm. and in the middle um the people who kind of like you know varying degrees in between that and and in every conversation i think the thing I find most helpful is to go back and say, well, what do we see in the life of Jesus? As Jared Mm. says, Mm. Jesus is the living word. Jesus is the fullest revelation of who God is. Mm. And so as the living word, what does the living word say? And, and Jesus simply says, love your neighbors. You love yourself. Mm. If you do that faithfully, you have no choice. You have to, get involved in issues of justice. If you care about your neighbor's child who is having Mm. trouble at school and there's a bad education system, the moment you care about their education, you care about politics. Mm. Mm -hmm. The moment you care about the roads, you care about politics. The moment you ask the question, why does Kibera exist? Mm. You're involved in politics. Mm. So we can't, Doing the work of divorcing those two things are, is a lot harder mm. than us saying, okay, well, what does this look like for me? And then to look at even the language we find when it comes to Jesus. Jesus is, um, Jared mentioned earlier on, uh, Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. All titles we ascribe to Jesus in our worship every week. Mm. And every single one of those names are political titles. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) King of Kings, you say to a political leader. Mm. Lord of Lords, same thing. Caesar was the Lord of Lords. Mm. Caesar is the son of God Mm. in Roman history. Even son of God is a political title. That's right. So you don't get to call Jesus Messiah, hail Messiah, King, when Jesus goes into Jerusalem on a donkey. Mm. And they say, hail the King of the Jews. That is not a religious accolade. Mm. Mm. That's a political declaration. And so if the gospels do it, what, what am I supposed to think about that? Mm. That that was only for the time of Jesus? <laughs> Not at all. 
I'm called to follow in that same way of Jesus. Um, and so I think being able to see what this looks like, and, and just by the way, when people talk to me about social justice, I'm like, all justice is social. Mm. If it's not, That's social, right. it's not justice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's so all of scripture seeks to do the work of seek first the kingdom of God and all its justice and righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Mm. That from Genesis chapter one, the creation story, and God said it was good, no, dynamically good. This goodness, i.e. righteousness, this goodness that produces goodness between things. From Genesis 1 all the way through to Revelation, there's the story about justice. And so when we read scripture and only start at Genesis chapter 3. Yeah. Mm. And the only problem that the Bible is trying to address is one of sin. Mm. Then we end up confusing the story. Mm. That's like watching Fast and Furious, the third movie first, mm. never watching one and two. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 yeah. And Renee, uh, uh, for, for many who've never heard that, when they hear King of Kings, we would think it's the king who's the kingest of them all. Mm-hmm. But for Jesus, being the kingest of them all is being the least of them. That's the right. one yeah. that serves, the one that decenters himself from the throne of power. And so when Jesus chooses to, to go to ride in using a donkey, mm-hmm. when the people who are the first to see Jesus when he is born are shepherds, the most mm-hmm. lowly of people, that is telling us something about who we should be aligned with. That's yeah. right. And not uh and and so with modern day terms, when we hear King of Kings, we think the kingest of them all with all the power, world leader, and all that. But I, I want us to also explain that it means actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I just agree with you, Carol, everything you <laughs> That's say. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just that Jesus is the King of Kings. It's that Jesus comes to confront mm. those who seek to rule over us. Yeah. 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 To mm. say, you will not rule over them because you are not God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Born to a poor family, you mm. know, two doves. Um, takes the time. I, I spent some time reading the Gospels to pay attention to when Jesus stopped. Mm. What yeah, causes Jesus correct. to stop? What causes Jesus to stoop down? Mm-hmm. Mostly it's women, actually. Mm. Culturally, that is ridiculous. Mm. It's completely like absurd. You know, you read the resurrection account and there's Mary mm-hmm. in the garden. She's weeping. She goes to call Peter and John. I don't know what they've done with Jesus. They go in, they look into the cave. They see material, fabric. Mm-hmm. She looks into the same cave, same morning, minutes later, boom, two angels. Mm-hmm. 
God bothers. God bothers. God bothers to reveal things to women. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus That's tells right. those women, go tell the men. Yeah. Even though they're not considered credible witnesses. Mm. That's, right. That's how Jesus is king of kings. Yeah. The way Jesus is king of kings invites everyone Mm. to the table invites everyone to share in the story invites everyone to be participants excludes no one yeah um and so yes jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords but that does not mean that we look at royal families today for example or any And bow down in worship? No, 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 no. No. It means that we are willing to sacrifice the most, to give up the most, Mm. emptying ourselves of power the most, Mm. because we follow the example of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, Jared, how do we do it? How do we as church do this work? Well, um, it, it might be a simple observation, but to pull back and just acknowledge what we've been doing here mm. is we have three friends who uh, are seeking to um, open up the scriptures in such ways that we can allow God to speak as we listen to one another. Mm. But three people who have deliberately placed themselves um, and their lives uh, amongst those whom Jesus' whole ministry was found amongst. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, just to, to name for, for all of us, uh, I think listening is an essential spiritual quality for people who want to be about what the Holy Spirit is on about. Mm. That um, uh, there, there is so much fixation, uh, particularly those of us who um, are charismatic in Pentecostal circles is where we spend our time. There, there's so much fixation on um, hearing God, that I wonder if we're listening. <laughs> mm. And, I mean, that's a subtle wow. difference. Mm. Um, but uh, what would it look like to become people who listen to the worship of all of creation, mm. where, where yeah. um, birds can, can um, lead us both in lament and praise, um, where um, the wind um, uh, in my part of the world, uh, the waves, um, uh, where um, the kangaroos that, that come and feed at sunset um, mm. at, at the front of my place, mm. uh, uh, allowing them to actually start, um, mm. do we listen to the rest of creation as it ministers to us, as it cries out for liberation? Do we listen to our sisters and brothers? Uh, I have a friend, Dave, and he likes to say, one person can make a point, mm. two people can hold a line, mm. but three people can create a space. Mm. Uh, when our Lord says, when two or three are gathered, I am there. That's a very Jewish way. And to understand um, how Jewish people and m- my mum's side of the family, uh, Ashkenazi Jews, um, uh, Jewish people, if they take something seriously, they argue about it. But mm. the way they argue is not to close something down, but to open something up. Mm-hmm. So um, they'll say, um, does not the Torah say, and you lift up one passage, um, uh, to take seriously a Trinitarian witness mm. that God, God's self is community. Mm. And, and f- for us to take community seriously and become a listening people, 
Um, we need to uh, create spaces where we listen and we listen to one another and we listen to the rest of creation in such ways that we expect to hear the voice of God. Mm. And then in the midst of that, we open up our sacred scriptures in all their messiness as they fight with themselves and we seek to see where Jesus is dancing in the middle of that, hear the rhythm and join in that dance. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the problem, um, I, I listen to how some people talk about scriptures and um, uh, it, it's a bit like if you like Bob Marley mm. and um, uh, you go, I like Bob Marley so much I'm going to use his lyrics to work out how to navigate around the town that I'm from. Mm. I'm going to use his song lyrics to, to work out how to get to the shops. Mm. And it's like, wait a second, that's not what the song is for. And not only are you going to get lost and not find the shops, mm. you're going to forget to dance. Yeah. The danger for so many of us is we forget the dance of discipleship, that at the end of the day what all of this is about is living the love that God has shown us in Christ Jesus, that the way that we get in is also the way that we go on. Mm. If we simply raise our hand at a concert or we respond to an altar call or we get in the water and get wet or we pray and receive um, a, a feeling of the spirit, but we don't get on with actually putting Jesus's teaching and example into practice. Mm. Yeah. Well, we run the danger of just being a resounding gong and tinkling symbol. Mm -hmm. we, love has to actually be embodied and we can't do that by ourselves, so we have to do it with others. And so, I mean, Carol, at the risk of, um, uh, you know, the certain lines that us preachers like to use, and I know I'm not in preaching mode now, but um, th there's certain things that I find quoted back at me all the time. And one of those things is that the early Christians were known as people of the way, mm, not people yeah. of the intentions. Mm. Jesus has a yeah. way. Mm. And some of the practicalities of that way is if, if we gather with two or three, mm. open the scriptures in such a way that we seek to be open to the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ to us, mm. that is something that will glorify mm. our Father. And so yep. uh, I think it has to be as practical as that. Good theology mm. is done in communities mm. that listen to everyone because we really do believe the spirit has been poured out mm. on all flesh. Amen. There's Amen. my Pentecostal conviction on Amen. all flesh. So if we're not listening to someone, mm. we are missing what God is saying to us in mm. community. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I'd like to, to say that all flesh means the people who look and sound and do things exactly as opposite as you would do, even those have the spirit <laughs> of God. <laughs> because I think our, ten our tendencies is always to think it's the people who look and sound and behave best like us. That's where the spirit of God is. And yeah. to remember that all actually means everybody. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. we are winding down uh, the conversation and that... Uh, Sorry, I, I wanted to say one last, yes. one last comment there, and that is that John 3.16, the passage mm -hmm. that Jared referenced earlier on, John actually uses the word cosmos, for God mm -hmm. so loved the That's cosmos, right. yeah. not God so loved the world mm -hmm. or God so loved the people. Um, it's that God so loved the kangaroo <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and God so loved the mountains. Yeah. And the goats, yes, and the chickens, 
and the lion and the impala and the trees and the and the trees and the worms and the yeah. mosquito that god gave jesus yeah. that jesus was given for the mosquito <laughs> the malaria causing mosquitoes i have questions i have questions i have questions about jesus love for the mosquito and uh <laughs> i think um i'd like to wrap this conversation up like i would go on with this conversation for three more hours because it's so much depth coming out but um this being our first conversation i'm honored to have uh two people who i really learn a lot from and who have actually also really believed in singi's work and given me voice and prayed over me and prayed over mm. singi and um I'd like to connect this with what Renee does. She takes people through things called uh, pilgrimages. And I'd like her, as she, for her to bless the Singi podcasts as we go. Yeah. And um, to, to also speak on this as a pilgrimage and what pilgrimages do. And then she'll bless the podcast. And when we say amen, that will be the end of our first episode of the podcast. <laughs> It'll be my joy to pray a blessing. Um, Renee, may I yeah. say something before we end? Of course. Carol, I want to make sure that this uh, is recorded. I, I want to say that we love you, Thank that you. we believe in you. And Masingi Trust is not just a gift for Nairobi and not just for Kenya, but for the world. Mm. And there is yep. a day coming where pastors will come to you mm. and they will ask for forgiveness mm. for the way that they haven't listened and supported. Mm. And yep. I look forward to those testimonies from you. And I'm so thankful for the sweetness mm. that God has deposited in your heart yep. in terms of that forgiveness to turn around and invite them to this work. So thank you for your graciousness in responding to so many people and thank you for stepping out and being a, a pioneer in the place of an integrated discipleship mm. that thinks Jesus is Lord of all and that's good news mm. for every part of our society, ecology and individuals' lives as well. So thank you for your work and witness, sister. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jared. Thank amen, you. amen. Amen. Thank you, Jared. Mm. Um, what was I doing? You were blessing the podcast and about pilgrimages and blessing. Yes, yes. I, I can do that. Mm. Um, and and I want to add my voice to what Jared said and just say that um, there there aren't many I know who have your courage, Carol, mm. who have chosen to walk in obedience um leaving a job that was easy and comfortable mm. um making the the choices that were i think in some ways easy to make because you didn't mm. feel like you had the option not to mm. <laughs> but but live with the difficult consequences of those decisions mm. um when sometimes there's no you know food to eat and mm. it's hard to pay the bills yeah. that you still choose to do this work because you follow Jesus. And so mm. I pray for 
um, people who who follow Jesus mm. to come alongside you and follow with you together, mm. and and that you would know the company of Jesus as you walk. Mm. Um, every step of the way, where mm. Jesus would be the one giving you the truth bombs. <laughs> Of how beautiful you are, of how loved you mm. are, and how valuable your obedience is um, to the kingdom and to your people in Kenya, especially. Mm. So, oh, thank you, Irene. Yeah. Yes. Amen. So, a word about pilgrimages is um, I found that where we read scripture, sometimes helps us see what is in that scripture a little mm. more clearly. It changes what we're able to hear. Um, scripture wasn't, wasn't something that everybody had in their homes um, in the time of Jesus, certainly not. It was something that was read in the temple, but then people went and discussed it in their homes. And where you sit while you're having a look at the things around you, while you sit in contested land, mm. while you sit as an oppressed people, making sense of what God's word is to you, um, that you do that in conversation, that you do that with a diverse group of people, that you do that with a location that is among those who are oppressed and enslaved and abused and disempowered and disenfranchised. Mm. Um, I, I have the experience that that changes what you're able to see. Mm. Um, it creates a lens that helps you get a picture of Jesus that you then can't unsee. Mm. Um, and so as you continue to do this work, especially Carol, I, mm. I do pray for you. We at the mm. way House pray for you. We love you. You always mm. welcome among, among us, not now with COVID-19, obviously, <laughs> but you always, always, always welcome with us. You're part of our family and I want to pray a blessing on you um, and your ministry and especially this podcast and those who will hear your wisdom and um, benefit from what you offer in the years to come. Holy Spirit, thank you Mm. that you are present, that you breathe in and through us that you remind us of truth and reveal things to us. That you're present with us right now in Australia, in Cape Town, in Kenya. And indeed all over the world and even with those who listen right now, days and weeks and months later. Would you weave together those pictures we have of you and create in our hearts and our imagination a tapestry so big that it creates room for all of us to live out our discipleship together. That in our obedience, Jesus, you would be glorified. Mm. That creator God in our listening and in our doing, in our hearing and in our obeying, in our theologies and in our thinking and our wondering and in our reflections, 
would you recreate in us a deeper imagination of how we can collaborate with you and with one another mm. so that this world that is hurting is transformed by your love mm. to create space for your love that we would be one to embody who you are mm. in new and in fresh ways in jesus name we pray amen if you've been inspired challenged and or enjoyed this conversation and would like to contribute to this and catch up with more of such remember to follow us on social media at msingi trust share this podcast with your friends and family and also consider making a donation to support the production of this podcast donations can be made through paypal msingikenya at gmail.com patreon at msingikenya or through M-Pesa, plus 254-792-176-030. Kwaherini, and thank you for joining us.